Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to, good to be here, and uh, it's very unexpected that I would be up here. Two, uh, three years ago, when I retired, I thought those days were over. That I, I in, in fact, I, I wept much over that. <laughs> but, or at least I was very, uh, found that quite difficult to think of that. But here we are, uh, three years later, and uh, I, I, I feel honored to be up here speaking to you. I thank uh, Pastor Andrew for uh, giving me this opportunity today. Um, we had a wonderful message last Sunday from uh, Tim Dick about the barriers to faith, and we're continuing in that, uh, in that text, in that passage this morning. Um, turn in your Bibles, please, to uh, Luke chapter 20, 22, verses 20, uh, 28 to 35 is what I'll be reading this morning. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning and we ask that you would work uh, through the Word of God, the words that you've given us. I pray that uh, you would uh, bless uh, our understanding, that we would understand you better, that we would understand the resurrection, that we would be fully, fully, truly believers in the, the Lord who went to the cross for us, that our eyes would be truly open to see and hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have you ever had that kind of an experience where uh, you, you can't see something that is right in front of you? I have that experience all the time. I'm sorry to say. When I'm working in my wood shop, I constantly, I anticipate this. That when I'm going to be working in my wood shop, that I will not see things that I know where they are. It's amazing. It's like when, uh, often when I'm raiding the fridge at home, and I, I say, honey, where's the cheese? I can't find the cheese. She sees from another room and she says, yeah, yeah, it's there. It's right where we always put it. No, I, it is not. I've checked. I'm standing right here in front of the fridge right now. <laughs> Finally, Carolyn comes, opens the fridge, grabs the cheese. Here. 
is that frustrating. I think what is happening, I believe what is happening, is that whenever I go to the fridge to look for something, whatever I'm looking for immediately makes that dive, uh, you know, a, a headway and, and, and hides behind something else so that I can't see it. And as soon as I leave, it moves back where it was before. But it is frustrating, right? When we look at, we, we, we should be able to see something and we can't see it. Uh, it's frustrating. Even when you are told you should be able to see something and you don't see it. But, you know, it's one thing not to find cheese or it's one thing not to find the tool you're looking for. But it's quite another thing when it's something more important, when, there, when maybe you're going through a trial in your life and you can't see God, and you can't see how He's present in your life, you you can't see the 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 the, the presence. You don't sense His presence in your life, and others are telling you He's right there, He's always there, and you 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 don't seem to be able to see it. Your friend, your pastor, they all say. We know the Lord never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And yet, here we are in the middle of our, our uh, problem, and we don't see and don't feel He's present. That can be a dark and depressing place to be. And it's very much the experience that two of Christ's disciples faced uh, in the days of Christ's crucifixion. On that Sunday, uh, after the crucifixion, two disciples decided to go home. After all, the last time they had seen Jesus, he was dead. He was very much dead, and he was gone, and they didn't think they would ever see him again. This was not what they had been told. This was not what they expected. This was not what they wanted. And and it was devastating to them. And they had lost some faith in the whole thing. Uh, And they were certain they were never going to see him again. What was left to do? Go home. So they go home. So they they managed to make it through Friday and Saturday. And now it's Sunday and, and, and things still haven't changed. Jesus still hasn't made an appearance. And so, okay, that's it. With great feelings of grief and uh, disillusionment, they start making the seven-mile uh, walk back to Emmaus, to where they lived. One of who, these disciples' name was uh, Cleopas. We don't know the other. In fact, we don't know the gender of the other one. Uh, it could, I think it would be a, a logical assumption to make that this was his wife, but we don't know for sure. We don't know, but there they are walking along. And as they're walking along, uh, somebody joins them in the, in the conversation. But I want to point something out to you. It's a word of application, my first application for the morning, and that's this, that when we are in a dark place, we tend to retreat to the familiar. That's what these people did. Well, we're just going to go home. Uh, our, our dreams have been dashed. Uh, I guess the Messiah, had, uh, you know, it, it looked promising, but I guess he wasn't the Messiah. And so uh, what do they do? They retreat to what, that which is familiar to them. 
going back home. It isn't always going home. Uh, sometimes it is. Uh, sometimes uh, it's retreating to a familiar book, or it's retreating to some very negative thinking in your head. Maybe it's retreating to uh, some bad habits that you thought you had long uh, overcome. But when you're down, when you're discouraged, we flee home to the familiar. So Jesus comes along and joins them. Kind of an interesting situation. Uh, They're walking along talking about the events of the weekend, uh, the disappointing, mostly disappointing experiences, uh, seeing their their, uh, Lord being brutally crucified uh, can't have been uh, something that provided much joy for them. They were very disappointed. They're walking along. And, uh, and so, but they don't recognize Jesus when he comes up and walks along with them. That's kind of odd. Like, if you had been living with someone or following someone's teaching and had been spending hours and hours of time with someone, would you not think you would recognize them if they came up and walked alongside of you? It's very odd that they, that they don't they don't recognize him. But verse sixteen actually tells us why they didn't recognize him. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Jesus prevented them from seeing him and understanding who it was that was walking with them. The, the, verse sixteen here in the ESV basically takes the the literal uh, uh, translation from the Greek here. When it says, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. It is like when you're walking your dog on a leash, and you're walking along, and a cat wanders nearby. And your dog is immediately attracted to this cat. It wishes to kill it. (laughs) Or something like that. And then you have to jump into action before something really bad happens and your neighbor's cat is hurt. So you, you, you pull on the leash and you restrain your dog from doing what it wants to do. That's the idea that we have here where Jesus restrained them from seeing. For some, we will find out why that might be. But it is odd, and it, but it is exactly what the scripture tells us. Now why would God do this? Why would God purposely restrain someone from recognizing Jesus? Well, I think we are going to discover this morning that the reason that Jesus did this was because he wanted them and us now as well to see Jesus, but not just with our eyes. He wanted us, them, to truly believe in him for the reason for which he had come. Not just a military leader, not just someone to overthrow Rome, not just someone that would would provide them a a modicum of of freedom from uh, their oppressors. When you cannot see Jesus in your hour of darkness, there may be a bigger reveal yet to come. Remember that. When you're going through a hard thing and it doesn't make sense, and you can't see your way out of the mess. Don't be overwhelmed by it, because you just God may still have something much bigger and better 
plan for you to reveal to you in the future. Isn't, uh, we, aren't we told that in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. There are things we do not understand. God understands the beginning from the end. He understands what, uh, what he needs to accomplish in this world. He knows what he wants to accomplish in your life and how he wants to use you to accomplish his purposes in this world. And he does not always tell us what that is. And so there are going to be times when we are going to go through a valley and a, a, a disappointing time in our life and we are going to wonder what is going on here and where is God when you need him. Sometimes we just need a wait. So, as the two disciples and Jesus near their home, uh, it's getting late, and they invite Jesus uh, to join them. And uh, so he, it, it, they do that. Now, uh, they, they needed to understand something. They had missed something. They were starting in the conversation that was going on with Jesus while they were walking along nearing their home. There was something that was starting to percolate in their minds and they were starting to realize there was something about this whole Messiah thing that, that they hadn't really caught. There was something that they didn't fully understand and uh, uh, there was something missing. They didn't know what yet what it was, but they knew there was something missing and Jesus had helped them to discover this. And he, in verse 26 and 27 we see that was it not necessary that the Christ should, Jesus says, uh, you know, why are you guys uh, questioning all this stuff and are so disconsolate? Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So by the time they got to their home, they they were starting to, realized something wasn't right in their thinking. Uh, This person was telling them things uh, from the scripture that they should have taken note of. They should have understood and appreciated. Uh, See, Jesus had come to liberate people. Yes, that is true. But he was not coming as a mighty prince, a warrior. He was coming as a sacrificial lamb. That was what they were starting to understand. Isaiah 53, 7, I believe Tim mentioned it last week, and it evidently would have been a passage Jesus would have reviewed with him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. That is the way the Messiah would come. But still, even though they started to hear this and understand some of this stuff from Jesus, there were still some things they did not, they still didn't recognize him. They, they uh, were walking along with Jesus and didn't realize uh, who he was, even though he was saying to, things to them that it, it Evidently, very few people in Israel even were paying attention to and had recognized yet. None of the other disciples apparently had either. And so uh, here we are. So remember, when we cannot see Jesus in an hour of darkness, there may be a bigger reveal yet to come. And so it 
they had come to understand many things from the scriptures. So, so that is the way we also get ready to see things. That is how we get to recognize Jesus, by understanding what it says in God's word about him. That is how they were brought to a deeper understanding, a clearer understanding of Jesus uh, and about his coming and what he was about, uh, even though they were uh, not allowed to recognize him. And then we get to verse the, 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 the passage starting in verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is, not for, for, is, is now far spent. So he went in to stay uh, with them. So the interesting thing is this. They did the typical thing that hosts would do. They say, oh, you're someone that's uh, making quite a long journey. Uh, it's getting later. Why don't you stay overnight with us? They were good hosts. But what's really interesting is that immediately, when they're having a meal together, the guest becomes the host. In, when he was at table with them, he took the bread. That, that means Jesus, this, this stranger that was they had invited to spend the night with them. He took the, the bread, and he blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. And then in verse 31 it says, And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he vanished. It's very interesting. That recognition only lasted a few seconds, or at least that period of time when they, they realized who, the, the, who Jesus was that was with them. That only lasted a few seconds, as, as if... Jesus had accomplished something and no longer needed to reveal himself to them, and he disappeared. Just like he had appeared on the road. Now he disappeared. And so this is what we see here, that uh, Jesus does what they had seen Jesus do several times before. Uh, they had seen him breaking bread and feeding 5,000 people. They had seen him do similar things at the Lord's Supper, and so uh, the Last Supper. And so... Uh, they recognized now, they recognized Jesus, and a lot of people conclude, well, it must be because they saw him breaking the bread. No, it isn't. It, when, when you see here that the, who, is, who is the acting, who is the one who is, is causing them to see? Uh, and it says in verse 31, and their eyes were opened. And if you go back to verse 16, it says, but their eyes were kept from seeing. That Jesus has a purpose in this event that he is totally in control of. So now their eyes are opened and they recognize that they're with the Lord. Uh, and what follows in verse 32 is interesting because they immediately marvel at, at, at what has just occurred. This whole experience with walking with this person, they didn't know who they were. Then all at once realizing it was, in fact, their beloved Savior. And it was Jesus himself. And then he disappears. But it says that they marveled at something. And in verse 32, it says that uh, they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scriptures? That linkage, 
between the Scripture and the Lord had been explained to them. And he says, and they say now, they point back to the Scripture and they say, weren't our hearts warned? Weren't, you know, when you're in the trial and you're going through a difficult time and you can't see Jesus and you turn to what's familiar and you don't, it doesn't help, it doesn't change, and then someone, or maybe yourself, you turn to the Word of God, you hear a sermon, or you read the Scripture yourself, immediately there is a witness to your, in your spirit that what you're hearing is right. This is what I need to hear right now, even though I don't see Jesus. Even though I feel like I don't see Jesus. I feel like I, I, I'm, He's not caring about me like I would like Him to. But there's something burning in your soul. There's a confirmation in your heart. that There's something that Jesus wants to accomplish in my life. And I'm willing to wait for it. I'm willing to hear what it is. I'm willing to live by it. But at this point, uh, we do not yet get to see Jesus as they did. See, we, we weren't there. We don't get to see him uh, in, in the flesh, I'm saying. Luke knows this, uh, that we, the contemporary audience that will be reading this, will not be able to see Jesus. So he wants us to go to the Scriptures. That's what this is all about. That not only to these disciples that he's dealing with, but he wants us who read this now, he wants us to know that the source of our, our knowledge and our information and our uh, belief, what we should be believing in, the source of that will come from the inspired Word of God. It's going to come where it tells us about Jesus, where it tells us accurately what, uh, what Jesus is all about and what He is uh, wanting for us and so on, what He's doing for us. The more we understand God's Word, the more our hearts will burn for God. It's not going to get all excited when you're lukewarm, cold, indifferent, uh, filled with self-pity and all that. No, you're never going to feel great then. But, but when you realize, even in the middle of that darkness, if you realize that Jesus died for me and He went to Calvary's cross for, to pay a penalty that I couldn't pay and He deliberately and offered me the deliverance from that penalty and He de- offers me eternal life, that burns in the heart. And if it doesn't, you're not saved. Sorry, didn't mean it that way. I was uh, not speaking literally, but you, you understand what I'm saying. If that doesn't touch you, if that doesn't change you, if it doesn't, you have to really question where your, your heart's at, where the spirit, how the Spirit is or isn't working in your life. When you cannot see Jesus, you need to look to the Scriptures. I think there's another Scripture that Jesus must have reviewed with these disciples. Uh, turn there uh, very uh, quickly to Genesis chapter 3. I think this is a passage that he would have reviewed with them. Not only the verses I'm going to read, but probably the entire chapter. It has to do with the fall, right? It has to do with Adam and Eve eating of what they should not eat and uh, having their eyes opened. 
If you go to verse seven, uh, 6 and 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight for the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And what does verse 7 say? Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Why do I say I think Jesus would have reviewed this with them? Because Adam and Eve, while in one sense their eyes were opened, yes, at that point, and in many ways their eyes were also blinded, and humanity's eyes has been blinded ever since. The fall happened. And a result of the fall uh, humankind has been lost and, and has not known the beauty and the treasure of, of, of being in the presence of God. And so their eyes were opened, yes. And so now they knew their nakedness. They knew their sinfulness. They knew their, their disobedience. They realized uh, they, that they did not really wish to be near God. But this starts off this entire story of the Bible to provide a solution to this. That's the solution I think Jesus will have talked to these disciples about. Remember? Remember Adam and Eve? Why could you not recognize me? Why did I have to die on the cross? And why did I rise from the dead? And you now see me so you know that I've risen. Why was that all necessary? That's my, he's saying to them, in my way of thinking, you need to see the point here. The point is not that I survived uh, an inquisition by the Romans and somehow managed to stay alive so I could lead the people of Israel. No, it was that I might provide atonement for sin. And I could be a redeemer for you and for all those who repent. But it doesn't stop there. In verses uh, 23 to, uh, 33 to 35, back in, in uh, Luke, we see here that they immediately perceive that they now have first-hand uh, evidence of the resurrection. You see, they hadn't believed when the women had come earlier that day to report to the disciples that they had been to the tomb and the tomb was empty. The others had to run and, and, and check it out. They confirmed it, but these, we, we read here from Luke that they were not convinced because they did not see the body. They did not see the resurrected Christ. But now these reports are coming in from, uh, from Peter and from now these disciples from, uh, from Emmaus who are saying, we met him. We met Jesus. He, oh, he's alive, friends. He is absolutely alive just like he said he would be. On the third day, he would rise. The resurrection is what brings, ultimately brings belief. 
Once you understand how the Scripture points to the Messiah needing to suffer and die and rise again, it changes everything. That's when belief comes. That is when you truly understand that Jesus paid the price. That Jesus did something for you that you could not do yourself. There is no amount of being good. There is no amount of serving others. There is no amount of, of, of trying to improve yourself. That will ever, ever, ever satisfy. Just like a a military leader, like they were hoping Jesus would be, was never going to be their salvation. Only a Redeemer, only the solution that God has provided, had planned for for thousands of years, and had been working to its completion, and, and its effect was starting to occur now. Only that. That's when we believe. When we truly believe that Jesus died for you, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Are you prepared to just sort of put that off and think about it later? I hope hope you have a very important conversation in your heart today if you can't say with all certainty, I believe. Of course, the descendant of Eve would be struck by the serpent. That's Jesus. And of course, it was the Father's will to crush him for our iniquities. Of course, Jesus is the one and the final sacrificial lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And of course, the resurrection did happen because that was God's plan. When you cannot see Jesus, look to the Scriptures and look to the resurrection. If those things are true, then God is there for you, with you, helping you, and will never leave you or forsake you. In one of his video messages, Tim Keller uh, tells us, uh, talks about a movie from the Lord of the Rings series, The Sixth Sense. He said you can only see that movie twice because after you've seen it once and once you've seen the ending to this movie, you you immediately would then see the entire movie totally differently the next time you watch it. The ending is shocking. Uh, The character played by Bruce Willis is dead. In the movie, he is a child psychologist who's trying to help this boy who sees dead people. And he turns to this Bruce Willis character, uh, and uh, this Bruce Willis character, in fact, is also dead. And if you go back through the movie, it is so obvious that he's dead. Now when you, if you have seen it once and you go back to the movie and watch it again, you realize his wife never actually talked to him in in the whole movie. Uh, There's just so many things that make sense now, and you realize, yeah, the guy actually was dead. You cannot help but watch the whole movie differently after you've seen it once. That's what Tim Keller tells us. But the story of Jesus, the story of Christ coming to earth and doing all these things, dying on the cross for us, is so different than the sixth sense. It's, in fact, the exact opposite of the sixth sense. When you get to the end, 
Jesus is not dead, but he's alive. The gospel is the good news that the hero of the story is alive and well. And now as you go back through the scriptures, you cannot help but read them in light of the good news. Not bad news, but good news. Our Savior, the person of whom we are hearing about in the Bible, is in fact, yes, he did die, but he is alive. We also know that the story of the Bible is all about him. It is all pointing to our need for him. It is all about the coming Savior who is going to pay the ultimate sacrifice. It's all about Jesus his suffering, his death, and his life-giving resurrection so that if you come to him in faith and you repent of your sin and come to him in faith and then put your trust in that Jesus, you will also rise again. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning and we thank you for an opportunity to again review and, and, and celebrate and acknowledge all that you have done for us. I pray that we here who have discussed this this morning, we would all tr- examine our own hearts and say, why, why am I feeling distant from God? Am I truly a believer? Do I truly believe what the Bible says about him? Or have I never even considered putting my trust in him? Am I bitter towards him? Am I proud? Too proud? Whatever it is, Lord, draw us to you. Help us to acknowledge that you are God. You are our Savior. You are our Lord. And we shall rise with Him. In Jesus' name.